Between the kids being home and hosting, everything in our house gets used up in summer. With Instacart, I can save money by stocking up on all my favorite summer brands. I save time by getting everything delivered in as fast as an hour. And I save myself a sink full of dirty dishes by stocking up on paper plates for the annual summer cookout. Save more on summer essentials? Spend more time enjoying summer. Add summer to cart. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to the Final Four is not on the schedule. He is Rod. I am Cameron. Uh, and we have another one coming up here, Rod, against Eastern Michigan. Um, they're coming into the Breslin here on uh, Saturday at 5. Uh, and they're coached by former MSU assistant Stan Heath um, this time. Stan Heath's first year um, in the Ypsilanti. Uh, he's, been, he's been around. He uh, was at Kent State as a head coach. Then he moved on to Arkansas and South Florida. Um, uh, I think the last year at South Florida was 2014. Um, and so he's one and one with Eastern so far, tough six point loss at Indiana, uh, and a victory over Illinois State by five. And they'll yeah. play, they'll play again, um, Northern Kentucky on Thursday night. They're, probably play, they're, they're playing, playing right now. Yeah. Right now as we, uh, as we, uh, we record this Northern Kentucky. I, I honestly haven't looked in detail at the horizon to see where they're picked, but that's been a pretty good program in recent years. Um, so uh, uh, that might be a, a challenging game for Eastern, but you know, it's a, it's going to be a different kind of Eastern. We've, we've gotten used to seeing Eastern the last few years. Uh, Izzo had a good relationship with Rob Murphy, who was their former head coach and, for those who don't know, that relationship goes back at least as far, maybe even further, but at least as far as to the time when Rob Murphy was uh, Maurice Ager's high school coach at Detroit Crockett when MSU was recruiting him. So even though Rob Murphy ended up getting an assistance job at Syracuse and came up through the Jim Beheim tree, he and Izzo always had a strong relationship, and that's why MSU started playing Eastern regularly whereas they hadn't done that as regularly with Central or Western. Um, but we had gotten used to seeing Rob Murphy teams, and Rob Murphy teams played a style that was very influenced by his tenure at Syracuse. If you think about the Eastern Michigan teams we've seen in recent years, they, of course, played that matchup zone, yeah. which was kind of cool for MSU to see that in the non-conference in the sense that it at least gave them an opportunity to get looks against that kind of defense, which you do not see in the Big Ten, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and that's always been a goal of his own non-conference scheduling is to try and get – there's a number of different goals he tries to achieve, but one of them is to try to get uh, opponents that play different styles. So if you run into somebody in the NCAA tournament in a first-round game that does something a little bit unique, it's not the first time you've seen it. Yeah, uh, and that's what Eastern provided. You know, they they played that zone. Uh, Rob Murphy also tended to recruit much like Jim Beheim does to size his Eastern teams. You know, with Mac schools, you're not always going to see like what we've been talking about for weeks now with the Big Ten, where it's just a regular murderer's row of six ten, six eleven, seven foot guys at the five. At the Mac level, you don't see that as much. 
but Eastern did. Eastern tended to recruit a lot of size because that plays well in that matchup. And so there were certain things stylistically that you saw from Eastern every year that were consistent under Rob Murphy. Well, that's all done now. Um, Stan Heath, a different kind of coach. You mentioned um, former MSU assistant. It's been a long time. I mean, Stan left for Kent State, I think, in the 01-02 season. Mm-hmm. Might have even been 2001 season. I don't remember for certain. I think it was 0102. But he was on the staff that won the national championship. Um, so he was part of the early stages of Tom Izzo's tenure in East Lansing. And, you know, he got his first job was Kent State. He kind of caught lightning in a bottle because a guy named Gary Waters, who was a very good basketball coach, had developed that program and then got the job at Rutgers. Stan Heath was hired to replace him right at a point where Antonio Gates, the former MSU football player, uh, decided to become a dominant college basketball player. Uh-huh. And uh, he led uh, Kent State to the Elite Eight. Stan parlayed that into the Arkansas job. Didn't work out so well for him there. And as you mentioned, he then moved on to South Florida, and that tenure didn't end up so well. He was eventually um, – I think he might have been actually replaced by Brian Gregory. Brian Gregory's there now, so maybe there was a coach in between. But um, in any event, uh, Ben kind of, he's been an assistant since then for the last several years, but he's getting another crack at being a head coach. And I think this is a good opportunity for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had success in his brief tenure in the MAC. He had a great roster. He was very fortunate. It's not going to be as easy at Eastern. He's essentially you know, in, in the midst of a rebuild. Uh, but, you know, he's he's had some he's, – he's at least had enough success that I think it was a worthy move by Eastern to give him a shot. And we'll see what he's able to do with that, how he's – I think job one for guys who come into that kind of gig is always, first and foremost, can you start making an impact in recruiting locally? And it's too early in his tenure to be able to tell, but um, that would that would you know be where you would start. Mm-hmm. Is can you start to get some of the guys out of Detroit, out of the Saginaw Valley, that Michigan State and Michigan don't recruit? You know, can you get those second tier guys? That's always where successful programs at the MAC schools or Oakland or U of D have been built. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing, and then you go from there. Um, Interesting start to their season. You mentioned they really pushed Indiana. I mean, they only lost by six, and that game was played in Bloomington. I saw a bit of IU last night after the MSU game uh, where they hung on barely and held off uh, an interesting St. John's team in Bloomington. But IU's got talent. Mm -hmm. It's a new coaching staff and a lot of new faces and some returning players and all that to try to – put it together, but I just got talent. The fact that Eastern was able to hang with them is an encouraging early sign, and then, as you mentioned, they beat Illinois State. The interesting thing about that game is I think they scored 103 points. That's not the way yeah. Rob Murphy's teams play. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it is going to be a different ball game at Eastern. I think it's going to be much more of a conventional, by Michigan State standards, 
style of play. They'll they'll play a lot of man. They'll look to get up tempo. I don't think they'll try to slow it down. We'll see. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be a different look from Eastern than we're used to seeing in recent years. That's for sure. Uh, so their starters, Noah Farrakhan, transfers in from um, East Carolina after scoring three points a game last season, um, but he still has four years of eligibility uh, remaining. So he's six two, uh, seventeen. Uh, 17.5 points a game so far this year on um, 31, 27, and 77 shooting. So, yeah, high high volume to get to those point totals, but um, <laughs> he's going to be an aggressive shooter for them, I think. Uh, and they're certainly looking at him. You know, they've got again, they've, they've shown a little bit of firepower here, so he's going to be one of the guys that they're going to look to. They don't really have, in my estimation a true point guard, certainly not in the starting lineup. And and that's maybe going to be a bit of a problem for them as they go forward. Uh, Farrakhan is one of the guys who's going to be a ball handler, but again, none of their, none of their players are, are guys that I would really look at. Like, for example, in the Butler game, the Thompson kid, that's a real point guard. He may not be an All-American, but he's legitimately a point guard, and you could see that by the way he played. He was a guy who looked comfortable running an offense. Eastern mm-hmm. doesn't really have a guy that's that obvious, but Farrakhan will be one of them that tries to do that. Uh, and so then they have a, another guy, Monty Scott, a six-five senior transfer from Portland State, um, and he's also averaging 17.5 points a game on 58-44 and 43 yeah, uh, better production. He And he scored, I think it was almost 14 a game yeah. at Portland State last year. It was honorable mention, all big sky. So, you know, look, honorable mention, all big sky. What does that translate to? Mac is probably, I would say, a pick better league. It's close. Uh, big sky is not maybe what it once was. They've, they've lost some members over the years. Uh, but I would say there's an indication there that Scott could be that he could be a guy that uh, Eastern could look to to be one of their better offensive players. And in the very early going, he's played that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they return uh, Darion Spotsville for his senior year, six four, um, seventeen games he played for EMU last year. Averaging four points a game, five and a half rebounds, 50% from the floor. Hasn't taken any free throws or three-pointers yet. Yeah, not a not a volume shooter as opposed to Farrakhan. <laughs> uh, and he played some last year. He didn't play – he wasn't a, a hugely productive player, but at least he has that experience at the MAC level. So, again, another guy in, in decent size on the wing. You know, their backcourt isn't as big as Michigan State's, but – you know, when you're six four and you're six five on the wing, you've at least got a chance physically. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think that was one of the things about the Butler game is that some of some of Butler's guards were a little smaller than MSU mm-hmm. on the wing, and I think that's something that's an advantage MSU is going to have over a lot of teams that they play. Eastern, it's still an advantage for MSU, just not as profound. Uh, and then Colin Golston, or Golson, 6'6", 230-pound freshman transfer from Siena. 
Um, he's averaging 12.5 points a game and a team-high 7.5 rebounds, 31, 33, and 83 from the line. Yeah, they'd like him to shoot better, but the rebounding numbers are good. You know, he's a, a kind of in the modern era now, kind of a standard-issue undersized four that plays big. Uh, even though he started his college career at Siena, he's he's coming home to an extent because he played high school basketball at Ferndale, mm. uh, right up the street from where I am right now. Um, and uh, so that's a, a good thing for Eastern to be getting Michigan kids. And, uh, he, again, he's been productive. Nice start. They, they certainly want him to shoot better than that. But, um, you know, the rebounding numbers are important. They need guys to hit the glass, and I think that's going to be something that, that Stan Heath looks to emphasize. And so Golston can be part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Axel Okongo, uh, seven-foot senior who had previously played at Missouri, um, he's averaging five points a game and five rebounds in about 23 minutes. Um, but 67% from the floor, 86 from the line. Yeah, in- interesting guy. You know, he, he transferred in there last year, and again, I mentioned how Stan Heath had a type. You know, we talk sometimes about how the fact that it seems every other recruiting class, Matt Painter ends up with a seven foot five guy. And he <laughs> yeah. said, well, he's got a type, right? Well, uh, Rob Murphy had that as well because he was recruiting to that matchup zone and ideally you want a lot of length to play that. So he seemed much more so than the typical Mac program. He had a lot of 6'10", 6'11", 7-foot guys. This kid was another example of that. Started his career, as you mentioned, at Missouri. Didn't do much there. Came to Eastern. He didn't. He wasn't a huge factor for them last year. So his role has really increased this season. Uh, and I think it's because you know they need somebody to man the five spot. And, you know, he's off to an interesting start in that you like the efficiency. The free throw numbers really caught my eye. Six for seven, I think, on the season so far. Can he keep that up? It would be interesting to see. Um, you know, the, the size combined with that kind of efficiency, you maybe even hope for a little more out of him. But at least physically, He'll, he should be uh, an interesting matchup and a, and a capable matchup against Marcus Bingham's size. Now, we'll see, uh-huh. you know, Marky's other strengths maybe outweigh some of these other, you know, some, are more important than the size matchup, but it at least gives Eastern, from a physical perspective, a chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then off the bench, they have Bryce McBride, a 6'2 Juco transfer, and um, he's averaging 17.5 points a game. 442 and 78. Yeah, quick quick start for him and hey, they need that. You know, Eastern Eastern is going to need guys who can fill it up, who can hit jumpers. And this guy's off to a good start coming in as you say from the JUCO ranks, so it's it's hard to know how much to expect, but he's playing a significant role early and I would I would guess that that continues. Mm-hmm. Certainly uh, well as long as he's shooting that well. Yeah. Uh, and then they get Thomas Benelli, 6'10", senior, um, mostly kind of a finesse guy, but he's averaging eight points a game. Hasn't really grabbed a whole lot of rebounds in 34 yeah. minutes total. Okay, let me let me emphasize that point. He hasn't grabbed any rebounds, <laughs> not one. This is a 6'10 guy who has played in their first two games 34 minutes combined, so 17 minutes per game on average. He has zero rebounds. 
So when I said in the notes he's kind of a finesse guy, that's probably <laughs> soft-pedaling it. Right. <laughs> um, he was a guy, I remember when they brought him in, I think it was last year was his first year, uh, they were, maybe not, maybe he had been brought in previously, I can't recall, but in any event, he was a guy they had some real hope for because they thought he could be an effective stretch guy, and he and he's still playing a significant role. It's mm-hmm. just, I understand you're you're looking to him as a shooter maybe more than anything else, but man, 34 minutes, you got to luck into one rebound. <laughs> yeah, you even have just to, from a free throw. Right. Something. So you would hope that would improve, but I think it does tell the story of what to expect from him and to understand that you can't really be fooled by his his height. He's not really an interior player. They actually have other guys who will play that role off the bench. Uh, And then Nate Scott, 6'8", senior transfer from Northern Illinois, Um, and he's averaging three and a half points. and six and a half rebounds in about 20 minutes. But as an example, right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, you know, this is an interesting thing. And we're seeing it some of the Big Ten. As we're recording this, I've got Ohio State on against Xavier. And uh, Ohio State, of course, has uh, the Wheeler kid, Jamari Wheeler, who had been a point guard at Penn State and now is at Ohio State. We're seeing it with Eastern, where they've got a guy who's at Northern Illinois, another Mac school. And he's transferring within the conference. That's It's got to be a weird feeling, but we've got a number of guys like that in the Big Ten this season, uh, more than you would have expected. There used to be, way back in the Stone Age, there used to be a rule that if you transferred within the conference, um, you couldn't be on scholarship, if I remember the way it worked correctly. And so... So this was basically the schools and the conference kind of coming together in sort of a, to make an antitrust analogy, a restraint of trade sense and and offering a severe penalty to anybody who would transfer within the conference. So you occasionally saw it. I can think of two examples. Um, way back in the 90s, a kid named Lawrence Funderburg, who was – a big, oh, big-time yeah. recruit, never quite lived up to the rep, but was a good player, started in Indiana, and ended up transferring to Ohio State. Before that, there was a guy named Brad Sellers, who, if I remember correctly, started, I think I've got this right, the two schools involved were Wisconsin and Ohio State. And I think he started at Wisconsin and transferred to Ohio State, and then there was a guy in the 90s named Sam Oakey, who was another big-time recruit who was okay but never quite met expectations, started at Wisconsin and ended up at Iowa, if I remember correctly. And I'm remembering one more in the 90s. Luke Recker went from Indiana to Iowa. So it did happen, but it, it tended to be the exception. I think we're now in an era where you're going to see it every year. Mm-hmm. And and this is an example of that happening within the MAC as well. So it's not just restricted to the big conferences. Yeah. Uh, and then you got Mo Engi, six uh, ten freshman, averaging two points a game, six rebounds off the bench. Yeah, the the rebounding numbers were what caught my eye there. And again, he's another guy that if you're looking for actual big men who play like big men, this is more your speed mm-hmm. as opposed to Benelli. 
Uh, and that's likely all we'll see. Um, yeah, then, there's one more guy I didn't mention in the notes. Uh, kid I've actually seen play a lot. Kevin David Rice. He's a relative of Glenn Rice. Um, played uh, played up in the Saginaw Valley. He ended up, I think his career, I think he ended up at Grand Blank, if I remember correctly. It was I think he was part of that team that won a state championship last year. But in any event, he was part of the family and uh, AAU program, and so I saw him play a lot over the years. And um, no, but you know what? He now I remember. I think he did play at Grand Blank, and then last year I think he played at a prep school. Mm-hmm. I think that's what happened. So um, he's ended up at Eastern, though. Uh, he's played in both of their games heading into tonight, but only two minutes in each game, and he hasn't done anything. So I'm not sure how much, if at all, we'll see him tomorrow, but he'd be the only other guy I would think would be a, a strong candidate to get minutes. Okay. Uh, so you turn to the keys, uh, and the number one key here, Rob, tempo. Yeah, I'm going to be interested to see how this game is played. You know, with Rob Murphy there, you knew that Eastern's idea was, and they were an interesting team because playing that matchup zone with all that length they typically had, they would actually be looking to force turnovers, something that a normal zone doesn't really do. They would get out and trap a little bit with that length and try to force mistakes. But even so, the general MO was they were going to play to slow the game down a little bit. That's usually what you would expect them to at least try to do. I'm not sure with Stan Heath. I look at the Illinois State game that they won, 103 to 98, and even IU, they lost 68 to 62. So, you know, not a super, super slow-paced game. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder I wonder a couple things. One, what pace are they going to play at normally? And I, I have an inclination that they're going to try to play relatively fast. Uh, and then two, how does that translate into a game against Michigan State? Stan obviously knows full well what MSU wants to do. And I'm sure it is a coaching point to say you've got to get back in transition. Have to, have to, have to. Mm. But there's a difference between saying that but also saying to your guys, hey, we're still going to play the way we normally play. We're going to try to yeah. play fast. And, and saying we're going to prioritize this at all costs. We're going to slow things down. We're gonna we're gonna have four guys going back when a shot goes up. We're gonna forego offensive rebounds. You know what I mean? Yeah. It seems to me that the latter would probably be them playing out of character, which you don't expect many teams in the non conference to do. And I don't know what good it does you because the fact is no matter no matter how you play it, if you're Eastern Michigan, the odds of beating Michigan State at Breslin in November are slim and none. And so given that, is it really in your best interest to play out of character just to try to make it closer? Or are you better off playing the way you intend to play and you learn some things? Your guys improve, they take some lumps, but they get better. As a result, most coaches approach it that way. And so I think we'll see a faster-paced game. I've actually been pretty happy. We talked about it last night coming out of the Butler game. I'm pretty happy with MSU's transition play thus far. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the point guards, there's always room to get better, but the intent seems to be there uh, in some important ways, you know, and something that 
Uh, we didn't see as much last year. I like mm. the way, and they're doing it in different ways. Walker does it mostly with the dribble, Hogard with the throw ahead. But in their own ways, each is playing it pretty effectively. I like the way the wings are running the floor, the big men are rim running. Some good stuff there just needs to keep going. Mm. Uh, so the second key, uh, one we really haven't talked about too much this year is boards. Um, but Eastern, they got some size. They do, and they've out-rebounded. You know, they're, they're winning rebounding battle uh, mm-hmm. over their first two games. You know, they've out-rebounded opponents by, I think it's five and a half boards a game. Now, I haven't looked too closely at the rebounding rates, but I suspect, given the closeness of their two games, that's that raw total is probably at least roughly reflective of how they've actually rebounded. Um yeah, they should pose a challenge. And again, rebounding is an area that I think, you know, relative to my expectations, which were not super high coming into the season, I feel pretty good about. Yeah. Um, Michigan State, you know, Kansas, they won the rebounding battle by a little bit. And I remember saying, well, I don't take a lot from this because this isn't a normal Kansas team. They're playing small. They were without arguably their top rebounder. And, and uh, Wilson, you know, and then, and then the, the second game was, was one that you expect you're going to win easily in that fashion, and they did. But the Butler performance was good. You know, Butler has some guys that play physically. They're not a huge team, but to win that one the way they did, as I mentioned, the offensive rebounding rate was the differential was something like 42% to 25 yeah. I mean, it was a significant, significant difference. So I'm pretty happy with that. This will be another challenge. Um, Probably, I I would guess overall, believe it or not, the biggest team they've seen thus far uh, across the board. Mm -hmm. So you want to see it continue. Michigan State continuing to hit the glass at both ends. Uh, And then third key, Walker. Well, we're going, to keep, we're going to keep drilling this until we have that breakout game. And I do think it's coming. The same way I felt like Max Christie was going to have that game where he just kind of took over, and he did against Butler. The breakout offensive game for Tyson Walker is coming. And, and I think as we go each game, you see a little bit more and a little bit more clearly, if you're really paying attention, why he has to be the guy. And it, it can't be a true 50-50 thing. That's not going to be – that's going to be an indication. If it is, it's an indication that Michigan State's got a problem. Mm. Um, but the bottom line is – and this is how I think I'm going to keep putting it until it stops. Tyson Walker too often is just existing out there. He's not being dynamic enough in the way that they need him to be. They need him making things happen, and that's going to come – when he's aggressive and he's taking shots. It's going to hopefully produce points for him. It's going to open up opportunities for teammates because defenses are going to have to counter him. They're going to have to guard him. And that's going to create chances for other people. Mm-hmm. So we need to see it, and this would be a good opportunity to get that on track. Uh, and then four is turnovers. Yeah, you know, look, we are, what, 26, 27 years into the Thomas tenure? 
So we understand that with Michigan State basketball, there are a certain number of turnovers that come with that. This is never going to be Bo Ryan, Wisconsin, John Beeline, Michigan. It's just not how they play the game. Uh, I think we've talked this year a little bit about some of the reasons why, in my opinion, and there's a lot, there's room for a lot of different opinions. One that doesn't wash with me is, well, they just don't spend any time coaching. I don't even know, I don't know what that means. I, I do think this. I think that the things that Izzo tends to value most, which is rebounding and defense, and then on top of that, being aggressive on offense and looking to push tempo and run the floor. All of those things, in his view, and I think time has proven this to be correct, require that you have guys operating at near-peak energy levels as much of the time as possible. So that mm-hmm. means you have an expanded playing group. We know Tom Izzo's never been a guy to play a seven-man rotation the way some other coaches do. It's, it's nine almost always, and often more than that. With that is going to tend to come more mistakes, in my opinion. I think one does flow from the other because guys' rotations aren't as firmly set. Guys aren't playing in the same combinations together all the time, so mistakes will happen. There's also the fact that Michigan State is a program that always has emphasized passing the ball a lot. You generally look at where they are, that assist-to-field goal ratio is always very high. Yeah. Well, when you pass the ball that much, you do kind of get to the old Woody Hayes line about when you pass the ball, three things can happen and two of them are bad. <laughs> you know, that's a little strong, but all of these things are possible explanations, okay? They're not justifications for it. They're explanations. That said, under any circumstances, with any explanations you want, 20 turnovers, as they had against Butler, is unacceptably high. And you do that against better opposition. Like, for example, you do that next week when they get to the Bahamas, you're talking about a loss almost certainly. It's mind-boggling that they could have 20 turnovers and win a game by 21 points on the road against a Big East opponent. It really is. (laughs) Which tells you something about how well they played in other phases of the game. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't excuse the fact that 20 is way too much. So they they don't need to have a six turnover game, but we need to see some improvement there. Yeah. Uh, and then the fifth key is Hauser. Yeah, you know, Joey, I thought was okay in the first two games. Wasn't great, wasn't terrible. He had a rough night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, we talked about it. I think the shots he took were good shots. I have no problem with that. I saw Izzo say that in the post game. They were all good looks. And it wasn't that he was missing badly either. They just didn't fall. But that said, basketball is a game as much as anything about confidence. You have to have a sense of self-belief in order to be effective. And, And conversely, if you're doubting yourself, you're probably the toughest, your own toughest defender, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, for his confidence, I think MSU needs Joey Hauser to have a game where he sticks two or three triples mm-hmm. and just yeah. gets it rolling a little bit. 
that he needs that kind of day to 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 start to build his confidence level back up because again this is all coming in on the heels of an entire season that was a bit disappointing for him so you don't want to let it snowball you know we've all seen it over the years where a guy just it just feels like he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders and when you feel that way and then something goes wrong it's very easy for that to snowball negatively <laughs> Michigan State can't afford that However you slice it, I mean, you can talk about playing Malik Hall more minutes. You could talk about trying to use Gabe Brown in a small ball lineup playing some four. However you slice it, there's no obvious answer that MSU can get away with where Joey Hauser is maybe a 10-minute-a-night guy. Yeah. He's got to play. He has to. That's just how it is. And they, and frankly, they need Joey Hauser doing the things that we know Joey Hauser can do for this team to be anywhere near its full potential. He's got to be that stretch four guy. Yeah. Um, so I don't think there's much of a choice but to have him play through it at this stage. Well, uh, this one kicks off um, at 5 o'clock, Rod. This will be on um, Big Ten Plus, unfortunately. So if you're looking for the listeners, if you're trying to find this one, you'll have to get like a one-month subscription to that Big Ten Plus. I think it's like $10 or something like that. It is, 10 bucks a month, yeah. Um, I, you know, it's going to be right on the heels of the football game, so let's hope we're all in a really, really good mood <laughs> yeah. that football game is over. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's a nice opportunity to get one more tune-up before they go to the Bahamas. And, um, you know, that's going to be a tough field. So you want to get a win, but more importantly, you want to play well and do the things that this team needs to continue to do in order to to get better and keep good habits established. That's how I look at this one. And, you know, the fact that Eastern went in and was competitive against IU, that should be an indicator you can't just roll balls out and expect to dust these guys you know you're going to have to play a reasonably good game most yeah. likely yeah okay well saturday will be a michigan state extravaganza <laughs> and uh, until next time the final four is not on the schedule For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.